Kind of goes along with the reading today in Acts chapter 7. Now, Acts chapter 9, I'm going to look today at the conversion of Saul. The conversion of Saul of Tarsus, Acts chapter number 9. Now, I'm going to read the first 22 verses of Scripture there, and then we'll try to bring a message on that. I do desire your prayers. The Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard to thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth when his eyes were opened. He saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat or drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which are called straight, and inquired in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is this not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, preaching that this is the very Christ. Let's stand this morning and go to God a word of prayer. I want to say as we stand, it's good to have my grandson Joshua here and uh, his friend Mindy and their children. Uh, a surprise, I didn't know they were going to come, but it's good to have them here in the service this morning. Our Heavenly Father, it's good to be in church today. It's good to read the Word of God, study the Word. We appreciate the Sunday school time that we had today. I pray you'd help me, Lord, to bring this message about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Lord, I believe that every conversion, nothing but a miracle. And God, I just pray today that if someone is listening, either online or here in this audience this morning, God, if they're not right with you, if they've never been saved, if they can't say they're a Christian, I pray, Lord, that you'd deal with their heart, trouble their soul today, that they might get saved. Even while we're standing here right now, they might call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Lord, I want to thank you for the call to the ministry. I want to thank you for the opportunities that you have given me uh, to preach, Lord, down through the years. Thank you for this church. It means a great deal to me and to Ramona as well. And we're thankful, God, for the people that's here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Years ago in the nation of England, there was two 
antagonist of the Christian faith, Lord Littleton and Gilbert West. And their life's ambition was to try to destroy Christianity. And of course, the devil is still trying to do that today. Nothing has changed when it comes to that. These two men were friends and believed that they could disprove two claims of Christianity that could destroy people's faith in it. The one thing they wanted to try to disprove was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, of course, they didn't have much luck there, but also all, they wanted to try to, to disprove the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. So each one chose uh, one of those topics and did research to try to discredit it. They parted and began separately. Months later, they came back together and found that each of them independently, one of the other, had the course of study, became a born-again Christian. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. They tried to study the Word of God to try to discredit Christianity, and instead they found a place they could call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Amen. Littleton has studied Saul, and he later wrote this. He said, The conversion and apostleship of Paul, alone duly considered, is of itself a demonstration sufficient to prove Christianity and to be a divine revelation. Now today we're going to preach on the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. And when we study this and look at this, we want to realize the soul-saving power of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to say to you that are here today and those that are listening online, if you're not a Christian today, the same power that saved Saul of Tarsus can save you today. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. His plans have not changed. He's still the, the God of the universe. And he's the one that gave his life on, on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. And so as we study this soul-saving power of the true gospel of Christ, it enables each of us to see the light of the gospel. Now, as I look at this, I begin to think about the fact that if you were among the early Christians, just after the, the crucifixion and resurrection, the name Saul would bring fear. Uh, you notice that the man that, that God sent uh, to Saul of Tarsus, uh, he was nervous about going. He, he had heard about this man named Saul and how he persecuted the church of the living God. Saul wanted Christianity destroyed and he traveled far and wide to try to make it happen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he gave approval for some of the most brutal deaths that's recorded in the word of God. Stephen was a deacon there in the church and Stephen was preaching and uh, the Bible says that uh, Saul didn't stone him to death himself. He was too religious for that. But he was willing to hold the coats of those men that stoned Stephen to death. He committed men and women to prison for their belief in Jesus Christ. When you turn to Acts chapter 9, the scene changes just a little bit. In Acts chapter 9, Saul was first blinded by unbelief, which if you're not saved here today, you're blinded by that same unbelief. Then he was blinded by the light of Christ before he was converted. Say something about Saul of Tarsus. He became a trophy of God's grace. And if you're here today and you're saved... You too are a trophy of God's grace. God loves the world. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so some call Saul's conversion the most important conversion in history because millions and millions of Christians trace their spiritual roots back to Him. There's a song that's entitled The Greatest of All Miracles. It goes like this. I wasn't there by the shores of Galilee when Jesus touched those blinded eyes and made them see. And though I did not see the empty tomb, that day I still believe, for I know what Jesus did for me. 
I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb. And I believe there's healing in the touch of His hand. But the greatest of all miracles was when my Jesus saved me. Amen. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. I have seen the lowest sin sick soul have life anew be made pure, pure and whole. And I have felt Him loose the chains of sin and set my spirit free. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb. And I believe there's healing in the touch of His hand. But the greatest of all miracles was when my Jesus saved me. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. Oh, yes, I know what Jesus did for me. God took a persecutor and made him an apostle. He took a staunch defender of the law and turned him into a preacher of the grace of God. Now Saul called himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, but became the voice unto the Gentiles. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17, the Bible says there, therefore if any man be in Christ, talking about you or me, anyone's in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And that's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And Paul wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe if you look at that verse, you can see the Apostle Paul. He was saved. He was a new creature in Jesus Christ. Everything about him was changed. He hated Jesus. He hated God. He hated the church. But all of a sudden, he got saved. Old things passed away. That's what the people couldn't hardly believe. This man that was going to come to where Saul was and, and speak to him and deal with him couldn't hardly believe that this man was going to be part of the kingdom of God. But the Bible said, Behold, all things have become new. If you're here today and you're lost without God and you become a child of God, the old things will pass away. I remember the day I got saved, Brother Reg, I was about 11 years old when I got saved. And I remember that constantly my thought was the fact I was going to spend eternity in hell if I didn't get saved soon. And so 11 years old, I left uh, the, the seat back there down there at the old Oak Forest Church and I come up and I knelt and I got saved. And I remember the difference it made in my life. I mean, you know, the old, the old man was gone and the new man was there. The old sin was gone. Jesus, brother man, Jesus came and took my sin away. He, he took it upon himself, the Bible says, upon the cross. And he took your sin upon himself upon, upon the cross. And so today you need to get saved, okay? I have a story about a lady left, left a beauty shop one day and it passed another lady and she thought that she recognized her. She said, well, Mary Smith, I haven't seen you in years. My, have you changed? My, you slimmed down. My, your hair's different. Your clothing style's different. What a difference, Mary. The one replied, my name is Martha Jones. She said, well, you've even changed your name. <laughs> you see, Jesus, after he saved Saul, changed his name. Yep. 
Now, I don't know if God changed my name in heaven or not. I kind of think he probably has. But, you know, you just have to call me what you know me by, Danny. But let me tell you something. Saul was so radically changed that God even changed his name. I mean, I kind of like that. It was like he was on something. I wondered if, if Saul, after he got saved, became Paul, wasn't on some kind of spiritual LSD. You see, Saul received a new Lord. I want you to think about that. Up until now, his Lord was power, prestige, and persecution. There in verse number six that I read, he said, and he trembling astonished, said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, shall be told thee what thou must do. He called him Lord there. But seven more times, excuse me, nine more times in this passage, he calls Jesus Lord. I want you to think about that. In just five seconds with Jesus Christ, this man's soul is under new management. He didn't just receive him as Savior, but he received him as Lord. Now, what's that mean? It means that Jesus was his boss. Jesus was his master. Jesus was his commander. Jesus was the leader that he was to follow. And then sanctification is when you allow him to become Lord of every area of your life. I'll give you a couple of verses of Scripture. Romans 10 and verse 9. The Bible says there, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, a lot of people have that confession with their mouth, but it goes on. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Anybody in here today, Brother Rich, could stand and say, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. But are you really? Are you really saved? Paul told the church at Corinth, he's examined yourself. Are you really saved? I've known a people, pastor, that have uh, professed Christianity for years. And then one day, all of a sudden, they, they come forward or they call the preacher or they, they pray themselves. And then they come to church and they say, you know what? I got saved last night. Yep. And people are astonished. Yep. Why? We thought they were already saved. Don't, don't take for granted that anyone is saved. Right. I found that out in, in preaching and pastoring for nearly 40 years. And then Philippians 2 and verse 10 says that, that, the name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. You know, if you had talked to Saul of Tarsus before he left Damascus, and you told him he's going to bow to Jesus Christ. He said, you're nuts. I'm not bound to nobody. I'm not bound to nobody. But he did. And let me say something. You say, well, I'm not bound to nobody either this morning. Well, you may not this morning, but there'll be a day that you will. You notice what it said? That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Not the name of Mohammed. Not the name of Allah. But the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'll tell you what, you'll bow now or you'll bow then. One of the two. You make up your mind. Secondly, Saul received a new sight. Notice there in verse number 18. The Bible said in verse number 18, it says there, And immediately there fell from his eyes that had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. Now, here he's talking about physical sight, okay? I mean, he'd been blinded. And the scales fell from his eyes. You know what some of you folks need today? You need the scales to fall from your eyes. You, Satan has blinded you. He's blinded you. I'll give you a lot of verses on that in just a little bit. But some sat in pews for years waiting to be saved until they see it clearly, not realizing they won't see clearly until they get saved. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I've had people, pastor, come to me. I just don't understand the Bible. I read and I read and I read. I don't get anything from it. You're not going to get anything from it. 
Not unless you're filled with the Spirit. All you need to know as a lost person is that you're a sinner and Jesus is a Savior. You know those two things, that's all you need to know. But a lot of people, you know, think, well, I don't understand the Bible. I've read this over and over again. I don't understand it. Well, that's because the world has lost its spiritual blindness. Psalms 82 and verse 5. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on the darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. They will not understand. They walk on in darkness. That's where a lot of people in America is at today. Proverbs 4 and verse 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. <laughs> Ramona moved into the house after we got married. She's knocked the corner off every piece of furniture I had. <laughs> She's walking down there. Oh, what happened? Oh, I stubbed my toe. Sitting there at the bar. We got through eating. And she got up. Conk. I said, what happened? Oh, I hit my head on the cabinet. She try to rearrange the furniture that don't rearrange. You don't rearrange the cabinets. You might move the chair or two, but not the cabinets. But you know what? A lot of people are stumbling around spiritual darkness today. A lot worse than hitting your toe on the chair or on the side of the bed or something. Spiritual darkness. Okay, let's go to the next one. Matthew 13, 13. Here Jesus is quoting Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And he talks about here in Matthew 13, 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing not, and hearing, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Boy, that sounds like America, doesn't it? I mean, preachers preach and preach and preach. Reg, you've been here 40 years. I've been in the ministry 40 years. And there's people I've preached to and preached to and preached to, and they sit there like dignified knots. You know, you talking to me? Are you preaching to me? Only if the shoe fits. And then in Matthew 15, 14, notice what the Bible says. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Yeah. <laughs> Philip, remember what the, they told you when you come in? Two or three other guys and I were standing back there and Philip come in. And they said, boy, it's not getting better now. One of them said, well, it's the blind leading the blind. Are you blind in the Lord? You know, notice what he said there. They'd be leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. One time, had a cow, had a calf. I know there's something wrong with the calf, but I didn't realize what it was for a few days. But the calf was born blind. And... Uh, She'd come to the calf. She'd let the calf nurse and all that kind of stuff. But as the calf would move around the pasture, it'd fall into the ditch. And just a little baby calf, I'd have to go get it out of the ditch, you know. A lot of people would have knocked it in the head, but I'm too soft-hearted when it comes to that. So anyway, I'd get it out of the ditch. And it kind of walked like a Tennessee walking horse. You know, Tennessee walking horse goes like that, you know. And when it, when it walked like that, head to the ditch every time. It had no sense of direction. Because it was blind. Did you know there's people today have no sense of direction because of their spiritual blindness? You can preach to them and preach to them and pray for them and they're spiritually blind and they'll stay that way unless the Holy Spirit of God takes the shackles off of their eyes. And then they'll be able to see. That calf, he, he lived for quite a while. I don't know what I did with him. I ate him. I don't remember. It's been that long ago. Matthew 23, 26. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. 
Again, talking about the blind. Mark 4, 15. Bible says, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan come immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Satan does that every service where the pastor teaches, when the pastor preaches. He does that when any of these preachers go out that's been going out to revivals and so forth. Satan will be there. You say, I didn't have much of a crowd last night. You had one person there. And that was old Satan himself. Old Slewfoot was there. And he's trying to take the Word of God out so you won't hear it and it won't get sown into your heart. John 1, 5. And the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. John 3, verse 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Boy, I tell you that, if that ain't this nation, the light's come into the world. Jesus is here. But men love darkness rather than light. They love that darkness. They love that sin. And then we have John 8, verse 12. The Bible says there, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then there's Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. God wants to open the eyes that are blinded. Yes. Are you going to allow him to do that today? Notice there, the Bible says to open their eyes in that passage of Scripture. Paul knew what the problem was, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 14. The Bible says, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Think about that. Their minds were blinded. Not only could they not see with their eyes and hear with their ears, but the Bible said that their minds were blinded as well. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 2 Timothy 3, 7. The Bible says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's American right there. Wisdom without God. Learning without God. And then we have Christians that can be spiritually blinded in Ephesians 5, 8. For you are sometimes darkness, but now are you the light in the Lord, walk as children of light. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And then in 1 John 1 and verse number 6, the Bible said, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. In 1 John 2 verse 9 and 11, the Bible says, He that saith he is the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. Verse 11, But he, hateth, he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. The prophetic of our age, Jesus said to the end time church in Revelation 3 and verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that we are wretched. Now notice this. They're wretched, they're miserable, they're poor, they're blind, and they're naked. Yeah, amen. That's today's church. Yep. 
Okay, he wasn't talking about church 200 years ago. That's today's church. Our prayer should be in Psalms 119 and verse 18. Open thine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open thine eyes. I pray the Lord to keep my eyes open. Sometimes I think, you know, I don't see things as I should. I don't see colors well because I'm colorblind. And some of you know that. Some of you probably wasn't aware of that. But I never choose my clothes to come to church. I would be a mess if I did. <laughs> I'd have stripes with, with plaids and, and, and no telling what it'd look like. You definitely know that I picked it all out. But open thou mine eyes that I may hold, behold wondrous things of thy law. In these three days of blindness, Saul had time to think. He realized Jesus was alive. Now, he had heard claims all of his life. Jesus is alive, but he didn't believe it. Now he realized that Jesus, not only is he alive, <coughs> but he's the Messiah. And the reason he knows that is the scales fell off of his eyes. His eyes were opened. When I got saved, Brother Pastor, the scales fell from my eyes. When you got saved, and you, and you, and you, and you, and everybody here that's got saved, the scales dropped from your eyes. And then you became a child of God. When the scales fall off, the pervert begins to see his sin as God sees it. And when the scale falls off, the drunk recognizes his problem. He realizes that his drunkenness is not a disease. That they treat it as such. You've got the disease of alcoholism. No, you're a drunk. Let's get it right for a change, okay? And then when the thief understands his plight, once the scales fall off, a lot of people think that stealing is five-finger discount, but it's not. It's still sin. Thou shalt not steal, steal in the Bible. The liar realizes that what he did, did was wrong. Not supposed to lie. The Bible says not to lie. The cheater understands what he did was wrong. You don't go out and run around with somebody else's wife or wife or run out with somebody else's husband. That's cheating. And they understand that what they did was wrong. Once the scales fall off. Once the scales drop off. Saul got saved and went to Arabia to study for three years. Saul in the past had read the Old Testament dozens of times. Boys, you notice something. When he reread the Old Testament, he saw Jesus on every page. He read about the lamb on the brazen altar. You know what he said? That's Jesus. When he saw the priest washing his hands at the labor, he saw Jesus as the water of life. When he read of the holy place and saw the lampstand, he thought of Jesus, the light of the world. When he turned to the table to show bread, he saw Jesus, the bread of life. When he walked by and caught a whiff of the altar of incense and realized Jesus was a high priest ever making intercession for him as a believer. You see, Jesus, or, or Paul went to Arabia with his Old Testament in knapsack, but he came out of Arabia with the book of Romans in his heart. And God used him to pin down the plan of salvation clearly because the scales had fallen off. He once was Saul, but now was Paul. He received a new Lord. He received a new sight. And last of all, he received a new dynamic. Notice there in verse number 20. The Bible says, In a straight way he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. In verse number 29, or 22, I'm sorry. But Saul increased the more in strength. But Saul increased the more in strength. I'll get it here. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. And then verse 29. 
And he spoke boldly in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Now, I read those three verses because all of that happened in a matter of days. Amen. From the time that he was struck down on the road to Damascus to the time in verse 29 he boldly spoke the name of Jesus Christ. If you go back to verse number 1, you'll realize that he was an animal breathing threatenings out to the church of the living God. I look at him kind of like a bull out in the pasture. And somebody's gone out in the pasture there and the old bull starts pawing and snorting and breathing hard. That's what Paul was doing. But God got his attention and touched him and tamed him in an instant. The wild bull, Saul of Tarsus, became a trophy of grace. Paul always regarded himself as a ram plucked from the burning fire. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy 1.15, he described himself as the chief of sinners. Amen. And then in Ephesians 3 and verse 8, he said, I'm, least, I'm the least of all the saints. And then he said he was the least of all the apostles, not fit to be an apostle, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 9. Now let me say something to you today. You too can be changed like that this morning. Just do what God did. Just do what Saul did. Face God today and say, Lord, what would thou have me to do? What you surrender, he will take. And what he takes, he cleanses. What he cleanses, he fills. What he fills, he uses. A lot of people think of becoming Christians kind of like a tadpole becoming a frog. That's a long process. Becoming a Christian happens instantly. When you call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says that He'll save you. I'm losing my voice, so you pray for me. Being a Christian is not like a tadpole becoming a frog. It's more like a frog receiving the kiss of grace and becoming a prince. Amen. I want you to think about that. The child of the king, all things have passed away, all things have become new. There's an old man went fishing one day and <clears throat> had a little boat and he was headed upstream. And he heard a voice, said, look down here. And he looked off the side on lily pad, said, said a frog. And the frog said, kiss me and I'll become a beautiful princess. He didn't kiss the frog, he reached down, grabbed it and shoved it in his pocket. And the frog said, you must not understand me. Kiss me and I'll become a beautiful princess. The old man said, no. Yeah, I don't want to do that. He said, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> Listen, the voice of the Lord may be confronting you today. Maybe today he's trying to get your attention. He got Paul's attention. Knocked him off his high horse on the road to Damascus. He has great changes for you. He has wonderful things in store for you if you'll listen. If you'll close your eyes to this world, let him show you what he has for you. Nearly 40 years ago, Billy Graham was conducting a crusade in Los Angeles. A man named Stuart Hamlin got saved. At that time, he was a cowboy actor-singer who worked with people like Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, and John Wayne. After he got saved, he, he went to John Wayne and told him he got saved, and John said, well, congratulations. Then Stuart tried to witness to John Wayne and said, it's no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. John said, well, Stuart, that's beautiful. He said, you ought to write a song about that. And so he did. John Wayne didn't get saved that day, but we still sang the song. 
It is no secret what God can do. If I had a voice, I'd sing it for you. But I don't. Today, I want to say, it's no secret what God can do. What He did for Saul, He can do for you. Amen. If He can save Saul of Tarsus, the most feared man on the earth at that time against Christianity, He can save you. I don't care what you've done. If you're a murderer, God can save you. If you're an adulterer, God can save you. If you're a liar, God can save you. If you're a thief, God can save you. Whatever you are today, God can save you. But He'll not leave you like that. He'll change you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Today, He'll give you a new Lord. He'll give you a new sight. He gave you a dynamic life, and they gave you a new power for living. That's what Jesus can do for you. Let's stand this morning, if you will. Our Heavenly Father, I pray today that you'll touch the hearts of these people that's here this morning. I just pray, Heavenly Father, that if there's anyone here today that's not Christian, God, that they'll humble themselves right now, humble their hearts to you, and they'll pray to you. And ask you to save them this morning. Maybe there are people online need to be saved. I don't know. But God, I just, I just pray that today that you touch people's heart. Convict them of sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.